Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FDM Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives. We hope you enjoy the show. And because the cell reproduces so fast, it, chemo does have a good effect on it. So it's one of those cancers where chemo is very good um, at, at, at having an effect on that manifestation, that physical manifestation that is cancer. Now, is there sitting and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm a I have dreams of being a Broadway performer. In fact, um, I had booked Evan, I had booked like my big like pre-Broadway show in Washington, D.C. that I was going to go sing for the president, and it was... What is going on, my friends? And welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. It is really hard in the world of these health interviews to compare one interview to another because everything affects everyone differently, and most of the people, not all, but most of the people that have come on this show, their health challenges have absolutely rocked their world. And again, it can be subjective and it's just different for everyone because some people might have had, let's say, a 5 out of 10 disease, but it lasted for 30 years. And then others might have had a 10 out of 10 disease, but it lasted for a couple of years, right? I don't know how to compare those two and we don't need to compare them. But my point of saying that is because this interview for me as the interviewer Wow, um, I don't know that I've had an episode like this. I'll put it that way. This is one of the more intense stories we've had on here. But what's beautiful about it is this. Our guest today, Freddie Kimmel, is someone who... There's a certain amount of wisdom that comes from certain experiences in life. And it's obvious. You can't hide it. You can't fake it. You carry it with you. And I've only met a few people like this ever. And Freddie's one of them. And it's interesting because I met Freddie before knowing his story. And I could already feel that vibe. I already could see that. There's just an appreciation for life and just people. And then you hear his story and you're like, oh. So it's overcoming that and having to work through that. That's how you got to this place. And he's just a wonderful guy. This actually ended up being two parts. And you almost... I mean, I almost never do that on the show. You guys know that, but it, it just had to be right. So we're going to be releasing part one on Thursday, the 24th. So if you are uh, February, that is. So if you're listening to this now, all you need to know is that the next episode will be out on Monday. And I believe that is, yes, the 28th of February. We will have the next one out for you guys. Super excited about that. Okay, so with that said, a little bit about Freddie really quick. He is a biohacker, functional health coach, and host of the Beautifully Broken podcast. He is also a proud survivor of metastatic cancer, Lyme, and toxic mold. Part of the transformation he brings to the world is in his role on the leadership team at AmpCoil, which we'll talk about in the second episode, really interesting device, and as a consultant for several technology companies in the biohacking industry. Freddie is passionate about education, the energetic body, and patient advocacy. His work helps human beings understand the integration of technology, lifestyle, and self-care. He has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, LA Talk Radio, The Late Show with James Corden, ABC Television, and in Dance Magazine. You hear Freddie on podcasts including The Lifestylist with Luke Story, huge podcast in the space, and The Successful Mind with David Neagle. 
Freddie has a Bachelor's of Fine Arts from S-U-N-Y. I believe it's pronounced Sunny. I think that's what they use as the acronym. Brockport, and in conjunction with starting FreddieSetGo.com, has performed all over the country in Broadway, touring productions of Phantom of the Opera, Billy Elliot, and the Broadway-bound Cagney the Musical. How interesting is this guy, right? So without further ado, let's get to the episode. All right, Freddie, my friend, thank you so much for being here. This has been long awaited. Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. It is an honor to be here. <laughs> so Freddie and I got to meet, lucky enough, uh, Reed Davis, as you guys know, founder of FDN, other guy on the logo for the Health Detective Podcast. Um, he couldn't make the flight into one of the biohacking panels that we were doing down in Miami. And he said, I know you love biohacking. Can you fill in? And I got to sit next to Freddie. We were doing the panel together. And you know, guys, we have a lot of different stories on here. Um, we talk to a lot of people with autoimmune disease. Nothing wrong with that. That's that's my story as well. But when you talk about cancer and then a resolution to that, cancer is something that affects people's lives, generally speaking, in, in much different ways. Um, certainly, there's a spectrum of autoimmunity. I'm not being ignorant here. But uh, no, Hashimoto's is not like cancer, in my opinion, as someone who's seen both of these things. And so when we have someone that we're lucky enough to talk to that was able to kind of get a hold on this and maybe figure some things out for us to teach us about it. I think that's about as cool as it gets. So that's about as much as I'll give away. Um, but Freddie, we always start with the same question on this podcast. It's just as simple as when did your health journey start? Like when did those health symptoms start and what did they look like for you? Great question. I got to say it, it was really a, it was going to sleep one night in New York City. I had just moved to the city right after September 11th. And I had went to bed, and I woke up in the morning with level 10 joint pain. And when I say level 10, I mean my knees were like watermelons. My hands, all the joints in my hands were so swollen they looked like grapes. And I was dumbfounded. You know, I was 23 years old. I was of the belief system that I would live forever. So I certainly wasn't going to go to a doctor or... Um, I really wasn't going to dig too far deep into the problem aside from eating Advil, which escalated to Indomethacin, which escalated to Celebrex and so on and so forth, eventually getting some hydro hydroxychloroquine into the mix, you know, to calm the immune system. And before it was cool, right? Before it was cool. Oh, I'm talking 2001. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a hydroxychloroquine <laughs> OG. 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 You know, and, and for, <laughs> so I lived with that, I lived with that, um, level of pain or muting that level of pain, pushing through that level of pain for quite a few years. That was 2001 in 2006. I eventually, I started to have pain in my left testicle and it, it, the other really cool part of this backstory is I'm in New York city doing Broadway music theater. I moved to the city to sing and dance and tell stories for a living. And that was my dream and my passion. And over that arc of me being in the city, even with this really chronic pain going on, I was making it happen. Things were unfolding. I was getting shows. Actually, truth be told, I got my very first audition I ever uh, walked into the room for, a national tour of Annie Get Your Gun. And, and it really started to climb that ladder in that, in that respects. Until one morning in 2006, I woke up with a little soreness in my left testicle, and I I didn't do anything about it right away. 
And eventually it got to a place where I had did have to go to a doctor. I had to see a specialist who did examine me. And, and that doctor had offered me, said, listen, um, cancer doesn't hurt. Don't worry too much about it. You know, maybe get an ultrasound at some point. So I let it another three months cut to one wow. morning where I can barely stand up. And I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping with my legs up against the wall. I'm, I'm holding my stomach while I'm on the subway just because there's so much pain in there. And I drag myself into a, a free clinic that referred me to an emergency room and went through the whole rigmarole of urology and doctors where eventually I wound up in a room where a doctor had uh, brought a bunch of interns in the room and said, this is a male with advanced testicular cancer. And I was, I was, that was really, that's what started. I mean, it's such a crazy story. I'm telling it now. I'm like, I could keep talking for 10 hours, but that's really where things started to get, I'm going to say like a level 10 intensity. Wow. And so just to be clear, because I know that this is several months. So by the time you get this diagnosis, have you turned 24? Are you still 23? I'm 23. This is like 23 is the onset of pain. I'm actually 26 years old. So it was three years of living with joint pain, chronic autoimmunity. Oh, I, okay, I misheard. My bad. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we're still, regardless, we're still a very young. I mean, I'm 26 right now. <laughs> you know, like right. We're, we're young, and I can't even imagine getting a diagnosis like that, especially, I mean, for God's sake, man, of all things, let's be honest, right? That's that's exactly where we need cancer if we're going to get man, it. Man, you know I, mean? I wish I could go back in a time portal, and so many male doctors and male nurses came over to me in the emergency room in the... I, when I when I flew home and had to go to a different hospital, it, there were so many different specialists that came and like put a hand on my back and like, bro, we're all talking about what's happening for you right now, and we're so sorry. I mean, this happened like four or five times. Different men who were just so empathetic to, yeah, you do not want cancer of the testicles, but absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, man. So. And because you said, you know, you had this kind of mindset that you're going to live forever. But during this time, I mean, certainly you had to be questioned at this at some point. Obviously, you did question up to went to a doctor. But did you have any background or idea of what we would call like the functional space or biohacking space? Or was that just never something that was on your radar? You know, you're performing these shows. That's the dream. That's what you're focused on. Yeah, never something that was on my radar and really uh, unbelievably numb to it. You know, standard American diet. Now I was I was in incredible shape, you know, at 23 years old. I was I was working out four or five times a week. I'm in dance class for a couple hours a day. I'm incredibly active, incredibly, you know, there's probably a level of just metabolic superiority associated with my age, but I had no level of awareness around anything. Nothing. Yeah, we um I was just by coincidence, I had two of these today. I'm interviewing someone earlier where this person is getting extremely sick, not a cancer diagnosis, but extremely sick. And they're still out there running like Ironmans and try, they're a triathlete, you know? And I find it remarkable that the body has this ability for some period of time, at least, to be able to do things or even look a certain way, which seems very impressive or healthy, quote unquote, or like a good physique or attractive. And yet we could be dealing with something. And I think that's one of the fundamental things that FDN Thrive and FDN's founded on are these people out there who, you know, everything looks normal, maybe on the surface, but you go a little deeper and, and we're starting to see some stuff's not happening. Well, um, I, I gotta, I don't ever want to bring someone back to this too much, but I, I know just from seeing you and, and meeting you in person, people have auras, man, they have energies. And I can just tell 
uh, there's such a level of wisdom that's come to you from this and the healing that you've done over the years. And I feel like you're someone who's done the deep work. I don't really think you can resolve cancer without that. Mm -mm. So if you don't mind sharing, just because I know it will be powerful for people on the podcast, like what the heck is that like in those moments when you're getting diagnosed with this and you find out that it's cancer of all things? I mean, what's what's going through your head, especially as a young guy? I, I mean, a little bit of shock, you know, for, for the most part. I, I can say I, there were one to two times that I had an emotional release in the process of going through cancer. And listen, we could talk about it for days, but if I wanted to frame the diagnosis through initial treatments, through subsequent surgeries in which I was diagnosed or, or labeled cancer-free, we're, we're looking at we're looking at about eight months. So it was it, it's a long time, right? It's a big chunk of time, and as you're watching scans come up on a wall and they're pointing to your peritoneum cavity and you're showing here's a tumor, here's a tumor. Here's one wrapped around your left kidney. Here's one wrapped around the superior vena cava going to your heart. Here's one wow. on the um, descending colon. And you're just watching it. And I remember my eyes were like, you know, you start to, you can hear it for a little while and then it just sort of becomes noise. And right away, luckily, luckily for me, in the field of testicular cancer, there's a, Almost, almost for a majority of the people, there's a silver bullet chemotherapy regime known as etoposide cisplatin. It actually came out with cisplatin first, which is very effective against that type of tumor, <laughs> that genetic makeup. I think I had a non-seminomal type of um, carcinogenic tumor, which is very similar to what Lance Armstrong had. And if you okay. s start to get into this world of testicular cancer, what you find out is it's unbelievably rapid growing so if you were to have a tumor and you were to do nothing about it you could easily be gone in a year because the progression is testicular to lymphatics to lung to brain and because the cell reproduces so fast it, chemo does have a good effect on it so it's one of those cancers where chemo is very good um, at, at, at having an effect on that manifestation that physical manifestation that is cancer now, is there sitting and I'm sitting there and I'm I'm a I have dreams of being a Broadway performer. In fact, um, I had booked Evan, I had booked like my big like pre Broadway show in Washington, D.C. that I was going to go sing for the president and it was going to transfer to Broadway. And I had I had not let go of that ideology in any of these initial sit downs with doctors, I'm like thinking, I'm like, I'm going to be through this in like six weeks, eight weeks. I'm like, what can we do to get me back on stage? And, you know, when they started recommending uh, how long you'll do chemo, you know, like we can do one, one, one round, two round, three round with testicular cancer. Uh, the most they'll do is four. And what that means is five days a week for about five hours a day. Then you get two days, two weeks off to recover, and then you'll start another round. And the, right away, they're like, you're you're four at least. Like, we're four, and then we're going to scan. We'll, we'll see if, if what we have to do next. And I was like, next? Yeah. And so they're like, yes, next might be surgery, you know, opening up your body and taking out whatever has to come out. And it really was a state of complete shock. You know, I'm, I'm imagining at 23, I'm never going to be a father. Yeah. You know, maybe I won't have sex again. 
Um, is anything is what parts of my body am I going to lose? What degree of neuropathy will I have from some of these chemical agents? I mean, these, and I was just signing waiver after waiver after waiver. And you can imagine, you can imagine the legal ease that is in these uh, liability forms and signaways. Yes, I agree to take this medicine. Here's what, yeah. here's what can, I mean, beyond, beyond. And the, you know what? They don't put that in movies. Because nobody would ever do chemo if you had to read some of those documents. Wouldn't happen. And I, I just remember, like, uh, uh, you know, the best you can do, and, and I think, again, I'll often reference that genetically, I was probably wired to be able to survive this in some way because of my attitude and ability to focus on what I have control over, which is very little. And that that experience of, of being diagnosed with that severity of disease – um, it's something that I probably, you know, I'll, to be honest with you, some of the trauma of that I unpacked last year. And so this was 2006, <laughs> you know, no worries. But I, I totally get that. It, it's it's just some, I, I still have things coming up in a, in a, in a very severe way. And, um, he, levels of healing happen with that, of course, but it's, it was a process. A lot of, a lot of that, um, journey was, made possible by the fact that I was ignorant <laughs> and didn't know everything that I know now. It would probably be much harder for me now knowing what I know about the body systems, um, the severity of some <laughs> of these medicines. And I think, you know, again, ignorance is bliss in a case like this. Just took the words out of my mouth. I was just about to say this is a case where that's uh, this is the epitome of ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. It's like it's actually almost probably a good thing because uh, for those that don't know, I would assume most of our audience does, but just like there's the placebo effect, there is the opposite. You can literally think yourself into getting a bad effect. And so, you know, if it's going to come to something like chemo, whether or not it's highly effective for this type of cancer, why would we want to know any of the bad stuff? It really, it's like, this is what you got to do at this time. You know, that's your best option for you with that current information. I got to do this. So I don't want to know any of the negative stuff because you could act like, oh, well, I'll know about it. Then I'll put it out of my mind. Well, that subconscious goes pretty deep. And I, I really there's nothing I appreciate more than someone coming on here and just being real um, in general, but also saying, like, you know, what? I, I just unpacked some of that stuff last year Dude, I'm on three weeks ago talking about some more emotional stuff that you, know, you can get the biochemical stuff down pretty easily, especially if you're guys like us who are more in tune uh, with the science and, and mm -hmm. we like learning about that stuff. But the emotional stuff is a different skill. Um, and I might be very intelligent in one way. That does not mean I'm talking for myself now. That does not mean I have that awareness in the other way. And I've really needed to work on that. So I think it's so important to come on here and show, hey, we're a guys that have overcome a, a lot of stuff health wise, but we still are in this process of healing and working on these things. And it's a beautiful thing that you're doing that because the fact that you're working on that now is still a relatively young guy. Who knows what you're preventing 15 years from now? Who knows if I'm preventing, like, I, I feel like I'm the type of guy that would run and uh, wind up getting, like, a heart attack from just being all over the place all the time, you know? And I, I need to slow down and work on why do I feel the need to be all over the place all the time. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. And whenever we can talk about that, that's great. Now, you're going through these traditional uh, forms of treatment, mm -hmm. and, and you said it's highly effective. So uh, I'm curious, like, was that working well then initially? Like, was that overall going as well as it possibly could? Like, how did, how did the next several months look with these traditional treatments yeah so they start you on high dose chemo and it's it's really based on you know how your body tolerates i had a relatively you know i'll say easy time with it and the fact that i there was only one time i had to stop treatment because 
you really have to keep a monitoring on your white blood cell count when it goes to zero. You know, it's if you're around a cat, you know, if you're in a grocery store, if you touch anything, um, it, it could be a lethal infection. So they said, if you have a fever, you come to the ER, you do not try to do anything you got to get in here so it was always like the nervous system is on absolute high alert i i i pushed through all all of the rounds of all four rounds of chemo and with the hope and the the belief system being that when i'm done with the fourth one that i would be done with cancer treatment you know and all the while they are doing intermittent mris and we're doing tumor markers right my tumor happened to produce i think i i looked at um I looked at LDN, alpha theta protein, and HCG, which which that was just something that my uh, hormones that my my tumor produced um, is a result of that cellular makeup. So I was watching those numbers, right? And I'm I'm watching them come down some weeks, and they jump up a little bit, and then they go down. And I remember when I got all the way down to zero, I was like, Oh my god, I can stop chemo. I'm done early. There, <laughs> there's there's no more levels of disease in my blood. And they're like, No. <laughs> they're like we're gonna yeah, we're gonna keep works. we're gonna keep throwing it at you so it was you know it was interesting there was there were um it, as the time progressed the severity was worse you know the appetite was uh diminished i i i have to say looking back in pictures now it was amazing to watch how my body and my face changed like i lost a good majority of muscle tone on my body and I got really bloated in the face. My face was like a round ball from the steroids. Um, God, what was I on? Dexa, Dexa, Decadrone, some, something of that nature. I was on these, you know, steroids. They were like, we got to keep your appetite up. We got to keep your appetite up. I'm not even going to go into unpacking why they were saying that and how I feel now that that is invalidated. But they're, so I'm on these high dose steroids, right, to keep, to keep my appetite up and keep inflammation down, of course, from the chemotherapy. And my body just looked so different. I mean, I didn't even look like the same human being when I was done. And the ability to get up off the couch, I mean, the last couple rounds, I was just bedridden. You know, I was I was at the hospital in a chair or I was down, um, you know, in front of a television. Really not a lot of life force left in, in my body. So it was a it was a real struggle. And the I think as you near toward the ends of chemotherapy that you're anxiety really starts to build because you, okay. you, you wonder, you're like, well, what's next? What's, what's coming it, down the pipe. Okay. And so what was coming down the pipe is you said that you believed that the fourth one was going to be the last treatment. And I'm assuming that that was not in fact the last treatment, the way that you worded that. Am I correct? Correct. Correct. So, okay. so, you know, essentially you have this last set of, you got to kind of let the last, your last round settle into the body. You wait a few weeks. You set a, a scan off for, for, I think I'd set mine four weeks after treatment. I'd have to review my record, something like that. And, you know, I remember sitting down in a room to review the scans and it's kind of waiting for that permission slip back to New York. And, and we sat down and we pulled my scans up on the board. And I just remember the doctor was like, pulled out the pointer and he's like, well, I could still see a mass here and here and here and here. And I just sort of, you know, everything went numb again. And I, I, I was really trying to listen to this meeting. I go back to this place a lot. It was like one of those wild times in your life. You're like, huh, so this is it. <laughs> like I had that feeling, you know, I was really, I was really panicked. And 
And then they brought up another slide and they had this diagram of the body and they're like, here's what we're going to do. You know, and so they have my body up there and he starts drawing little dot lines. He's like, we'll cut from sternum to your pelvis and we'll open up your peritoneum. We'll take out all your digestive organs. We'll put those in a bag. We'll put those on your chest. And then we'll just start snipping along the back of your spine where your lymph nodes lie. And we'll have a surgical team standing by because, you know, the one tumor that's attached to your vena cava, when we start to really work with that line of primary blood flow, it's a good chance you're going to have a stroke. And, of course, you know, we'll also have prep for you, rehabilitation. So if that happens, you know, we'll work for you to regain your speech or whatever movement you made. I mean, he just kept going and going. And I was just like shaking. Um, And I remember he was like, so we'll schedule this for about six weeks out. I, I, that's the only time I spoke up in the whole thing. I was like, guys, I accept that. There is no fucking way. <laughs> I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. You're good. You're good, man. Uh, there's no way I can wait and think about that that you just put up on the board. Like, that's happening next week. <laughs> It's going to happen in a couple What are you guys doing 10 minutes from now? Days? I cannot think about that. And so he laughed a little bit, and he was like, I hear you. And I I mean, I I went out. I I got up, walked out of the room, and I, like, fell on the floor of the hospital. And just, like, my dad had to, like, pick me up. up I literally fell on the floor. My dad had to pick me up, and I was just uh, unconsolable. And, you know, he, they had told me in that he had also said, you know, the, the likelihood of you being able to have an erection again um, is small. Uh, the nature of a retroperitoneal lymph node dissection, which is what we were doing, uh, the likelihood of you being able to have children because of the nature of cutting the nerves in a peritoneum cavity will affect the way you ejaculate. So that is often – it's often reversed. So the ejaculate goes in, which is wild to me. I still am blown away by that concept. Yeah. Um, so – and, you know, it wasn't just the surgery or the things. It was like my manhood, my livelihood, my ability to have a family in a 30-minute sit-down. And it was the only option. Yeah. Now, let me say this. Sure. In retrospect – had I not been loaded with so much fear, I could have waited. I could have said, you know what? It's my body. Let's observe. Let's look at the markers. Let's see what's going to be found in the peritoneum, right? Let's see if anything in there starts to produce cellular activity again. Because what I was told is there's a chance that chemotherapy can melt tumors like they're gone. That's what we were hoping for. The other thing that can happen is they can crisp down just like a marshmallow and almost be just this like completely necrotic tissue. And so whether there was active cancer in my body or was it whether it was necrotic tissue, nobody knew. It was just, we're going to go in, we're going to explore. We got to get this out. And Listen, hindsight's twenty twenty. I say I would have waited, but probably not. Let's be honest. It was, you know, you are, in retrospect, I just want to keep saying, in 2020, like I've had 20 years, or not 20 years, I've had 15 years to reflect on this, is that everything is loaded 
like you are going to die. You have Satan inside you. We have to burn it out of you. We have to cut it out of you. This is the only chance you have. This is the best duels we have. And I took everything that was told to me as fact. I did not question it. I did not look elsewhere. I do remember somebody coming to me. I'm going to save their name and telling me, be like, Freddie, there's these mushrooms that help with cancer. And I was like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> like, I was so offended. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. well, when yep. you get cancer, you can make that gamble. Man. Do you know what I mean? There was no, and I just didn't have, I didn't have any other information. So I, I walked into this and, you know, to, 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 jump to this next part, like the surgery that was supposed to be in and out in three days turned into me in intensive care for 12 or 14 days. You know, the, the epidural failed my body after this intense surgery. And I remember waking up to the surgery and I was like, I'm in trouble. Because okay. the the level of pain that I was feeling was like blinding. Um, didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Uh, yeah. Shaking my whole full body tremors. What had happened with my epidural had failed. It, it it had come out in the procedure of me maybe moving me from bed to bed. You know, so I right right away the first three days were just like hell, hell, like a pain that I can't. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't make a, I couldn't make it up. I couldn't paint it in a movie. You know, is the worst gruesome thing you've seen in a movie. I mean, imagine cutting like from your sternum to your belly and taking everything out, packing it all back in. And then you don't you don't have a pain med because right. I have tubes down my throat. I have a tube down. I have a tube down my mouth to pull the digestive juices out of my stomach. Um, and there's no way for me to eat anything. There's there's no way for, to get pain med in me right now. So it was unbelievable. And it's it needed to be a localized epidural, so it was on uh, just yeah. And, and you know the 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 hips the hits just kept coming. It was like the 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 body is supposed to absorb post surgical fluid. You know, after we do surgery, the intestines and large intestines they act just like a sponge for all that. You know, there is a little bit of blood and there's wounding and there's scarring in that peritoneum cavity. And so what my body decided to do was not absorb any fluid. And it's a condition called third spacing. And essentially what happened, if you were to see pictures of my belly with these, whatever, 55, 45 staples in it, I looked like I was in my third trimester. I mean, my belly was massive. And the instruction from the the doctor was like, you got to walk, Freddie. You got to get up and walk. You got to get up and walk. So imagine the staples. Epidural's not functioning so well. I'm getting up and dragging this cart. I've got this very famous picture I post on Instagram all the time with me and like, I've got a stand here with Gurney with like, you know, 25 bags on it. And I'm just going looping, looping, looping. Um, you know, ev eventually what happened is, and this is a graphic story, <laughs> but amazing, is that I was laying in bed and my belly button popped. And two staples exploded oh from my belly, and my belly started to drain. And when I say drain, I mean a geyser went up a couple feet and down onto my feet. And it drained like that for, I mean, I thought it was 
you know, I was like, my mom was in the room. I'm like, mom, I'm dying. You know, I, I, she, the, my mom's a nurse. Thank God. My mom stayed with me like every single day I was in the hospital. However long wow. I was in this, in this room, she sat in the chair next to me and we just let it drain and drain and drain and drain. And, and eventually, you know, it came to a place where we had to put a port in my side. We got the excess fluids out, you know, and my body started to absorb some of these fluids naturally. And I started to finally recover from this retroperitoneal lymph node dissection, which was just, you know, and I've heard this many times from many other people that have been through testicular cancer. It's a compli- It's one of the most complicated surgeries. And there's a lot of complications and it doesn't always go well. So that was, that was my experience. Holy crap, man. This is, um, I've, I've been, I've done every interview on this uh, podcast. You know, Reed hops on occasionally when he can, but he's obviously an extremely busy guy that has many things to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be the main one doing this and it's not like it's a competition, right? But like, my God, it's just, I don't, I, we've talked about some insane health stuff here. I just don't know that we've talked to someone that's dealt with something like this. You know, uh, maybe we didn't get into as in depth of details with certain cancer stories and, regardless, um, I feel like it's really important to do this because you're right. It is gruesome. Like I'm not ever, it's not just for the video. Like I'm never like, I'm like realizing I'm like grabbing my face. I'm like, Oh my God, like it's giving me like the shivers, right? Like I don't really get that on this show. Um, I'm kind of used to hearing all of these crazy things. I'm in this space, but yeah, no, this is, this is what people need to hear about. If for no other reason uh, than encouragement to do as many as uh, many preventative things in their life as they possibly Mm -hmm. can, but also to hopefully just give some empathy. And I got to, I, before the next question, I got to focus on one point. I love Please. that you said how you felt when that person came to you with the mushroom thing. My aunt, unfortunately, she did pass away uh, in 2021. 20, uh, I'm sorry, mm. it was 2020 now, mm-hmm. uh, in November. And it was after a three-year battle with cancer. And when she got that, I'm in this terrible position because I know about like Dr. Otto Warburg and I know this stuff. Like, I'm not trying to send her hippie advice. I just wanted her to read some studies. That was all. And so I sent one te- single text message to her and my uncle. And I said, hey, you guys know that I've done some weird stuff with health. That's for sure. At that point, I had results. And I'm like, I just would love for you guys to read this stuff. If you want, I'll never bother you about it again. And I didn't. Um, and they said, thank you. And that was it. But people don't get by the time that you end up in this world of functional medicine, you've been through the ringer. You've tried a lot of things and it hasn't worked. So you have the time to think about this. Mm. Guys, when a family member or friend, I'm not saying don't share with them information. I would never have been able to live with myself if I didn't share the things that I shared with my Aunt Corinne. But it is what it is now, right? She, she's passed. You've got to respect what it's like getting this diagnosis. You, like you said, you used the key word. It's fear. You're just, bam, I'm locked in. Mm. Now you're moving through the motions. What do I need to do? What, how do I save my own life right now? Because again, it's not like a Hashimoto's diagnosis. And I'm not lessening that. Again, we talk to people with that all the time. You have time with Hashimoto's, guys. You're not going to die tomorrow. You're not going to die in 10 years, most likely, mm-hmm. right? It, it doesn't really kill people, more or less. It barely affects the life expectancy, if I'm not mistaken. This is a serious thing. We, we have only a set amount of decisions that you can make that are going to lead to a, either your life or no life. And no, I don't blame someone that doesn't know anything about this stuff for being like, hey, yeah, screw your mushrooms right now, man, or or screw your studies. Like, I need to trust this doctor. Fair enough, right? And so we, we need to be respectful. We need to come in with love and just give people space. We, we can't be giving them a bunch of unsolicited advice. And I feel like um, functional medicine aside, I, I from what I saw with my aunt, the unsolicited advice thing seems to be almost universal. I'm not sure if you dealt with that. It seems like everyone has an opinion on 
what these people with cancer should be doing or trying. And of course it comes from this wonderful place mm. where they, they love you, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to help you, but it's like, guys, give them a break. <laughs> they, yeah. they got enough going on. They don't need to be thinking about the 20 different text messages you sent with all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I like that you brought that up because it, it hit home for me and um, it made, honestly, man, you made me feel better because I, I feel like I did what I could. I'm like, I have to send something. I will never be able to live with myself if I don't show her some of these studies, but she is an intelligent woman, was an intelligent woman. And she's allowed to do what she wants. And just because I sent her studies doesn't mean that that would have worked. Of it course. Doesn't. So yeah. um, she did the best that she could. I, I know that. With all this said, you obviously took a huge 180 from this traditional route to the biohacking freaking expert that you are now and the mm-hmm. things that you know. And I mean, you're on these panels throwing this stuff down. Um, where the heck did we start getting into that? At what point do you draw the line and say, I'm going to go find something something different? Yeah. I mean, I wish, <laughs> I wish it was right after I had cancer, you know, after, after I in, and in that room, you know, the, the, the net of uh, that hospital experiences, eventually I had a doctor walk in and a bunch of my mother team and my whole family was in the room and they put their hands on me and they were like, Freddie, we got the results back from the surgery. This tissue was necrotic, wasn't active cancer. You're cancer free. And my whole family's in the room, and, and everybody burst out in tears. Everybody started yeah. crying. It was it was amazing, you know. And I was so blessed to have the support system and the resources and um, Western medicine. Right, saved my life. Yep. And well said. It, it was in this moment that I was like, "Great, I'm going to write a book." I'm going to be a poster child for every testicular cancer patient out there. I'm going to be on Oprah. You know, all these amazing things are going to happen for me. And probably six weeks after the surgery, I it was eating lunch at my brother's. And, you know, I had went out the night before with a bunch of friends and, and just been a little social. I didn't, didn't, was just out talking. And, and I had a, a, an instance of pain where I dropped to the floor and I had what was known as a uh, partial small bowel bowel obstruction where my small bowel had twisted as a result. I didn't know what a result of, but I was rushed to the emergency room, you know, given an IV, incredible, incredible pain, like level, level 10. And the doctors basically said, you know, as a result of the surgery we did, you could have some scar tissue forming yeah. very quickly. And I was like, kind of shocked. It was like, it's just like, six eight weeks ago you know but we kind of left it there and and they were like yeah just watch you know watch what you eat maybe take it easy for a couple days well you know over the next uh few years that just kept happening so i would have these instances where i would eat and my bowel would twist and i would just throw up for two days because nothing could get by. And I mean, I mean, on the floor, on your knees, praying to God, you know, yeah. a, a level 10 pain. If you've, if you've ever read anything about abdominal adhesions, it's a, it's a really bad side effect to surgery and is very common. So once you touch the small intestines with a, a hand or a finger, they almost form as a reaction to that microtrauma uh, adhesions. And so it would almost be looking at the small bowels like there's a bunch of spider webs in your belly. And so imagine if you could just you just roll over to like grab your iPhone or something 
And that twisting motion would normally be fine because the intestines roll around in there like a bag of wet spaghetti. Sure. But if you had a bunch of like gum in there and, and it's easy to twist and they cannot. So over the next few years, and I, 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 I will, I promise I will bring this story to of when did we start to feel better place? <laughs> you know, I started to be rushed to the emergency room and in 2011, it was so bad it would, wouldn't release. So they cut open the same wound chest from my sternum all the way down to my belly button, took out a foot of small bowel, and then sewed me back up. And then it happened again, and there was more scar tissue, and then they went in laparoscopically in 2015. In the middle of all this, my immune system completely crashed, completely crashed. And so what I started to experience was severe chronic fatigue, joint pain went back to a level 10, severe constipation, had the adhesions, had intense abdominal and cramping. And I started to kind of explore. I'm like, I'm a mess, you know? I'm a really felt, I was like, wow. I was like, you know, God forbid anybody ever try to mug me on the street. I'd just be like, here, I could never defend myself. Yeah. I was feeling so compromised. So I started to explore functional medicine. You know, I started to... to really do the deep dive on what can I do to start to find some level of improvement. You know, the scar tissue, the fatigue, the aches, the pains going back to 2003, I never really figured out the onset of the chronic inflammation 2001, you know, when I was 23 years old, 2001. So I was looking at this barrel, this bucket of dysfunction, which for me was just overflowing at this point. And so I remember some of the things that I started to, to, to explore were, were heavy metal toxicity. You know, I remember doing an HTMA test and mercury was off the charts, 99 percentile, Whoa. lots of other metals. Um, I, I had found uh, associated with the chronic fatigue. Of course, I stumbled across, you know, Epstein-Barr chronic viral infections. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is what I have. I've got, I've got chronic viral infections. This is the problem with me. So, you know, I went down that road for a little while and then did some more testing, sent my blood away to a lab, which I lived in New York. And as you know, labs or uh, the worst state. it's really hard <laughs> to garnish information about your own blood because New York State, that's it. That, because New York State. So I sent my blood away to, oh, what is it? Cyrex Labs. Was it IGenX? For uh, to try to see what kind of biotoxins we found bands positive for Lyme. Eventually, I found mold in there. Subsequent more mold exposures. So I just kept finding all these things, and and to the cancer, we added all these funny and fancy uh, labels, right? Mold toxicity, Epstein Barr, Lyme disease chronic fatigue, chronic constipation, abdominal adhesions. Like I had this list of things that were just incredible, an incredible list of like more than anybody I know. Um, yeah. I, I look back on it. I laugh at some of the old folders that I have for my doctors and like, and I've subsequently tried to be, uh, go out and garnish health insurance and people are like, hell no. <laughs> Get the hell out of if here, you're not yeah. in the marketplace, they're like, hell no automatic oh, denial. Geez. So I, you know, I, I think the first thing that I did to find a little bit of improvement, just to shed some light in here, let's just, let's start talking about food. 
and I had read a book. I think it was I read Weston A. Price, nice. that collection of knowledge. I looked at, I started to read Mark Sisson and Nora Galaganakis, if that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, not familiar. Primal okay. mind, primal body, and just looked at ancestral eating. I was like, wow, it sounds like the American diet is not serving me very well. And I really went all in. In in the middle of all these things happening, right? It's it, it's not so linear. I didn't wait to have all these bad things and then do food. There was a time when I just kind of jumped into eating a whole foods diet. Weston A. Price, paleo, low red meat, all organic, clean vegetables, no sugar, no gluten, no wheat, no grains. And I ate that way till today. <laughs> like I just did it. I was like – uh, it's not going to be a whole 30. It's a whole everything at this point. Yeah. And just, just went. And I had a huge, huge improvement in inflammation. You know, my joints for the first time, like really, really felt differently. Um, and that was really inspiring to me. And honestly, I just think that I just kept opening doors. You know, there were, there were, there were times when I was really struggling with the, abdominal adhesions and i remember i i started doing red light therapy on my belly um low level low level laser or um photobiomodulation or you know really these very gentle diodes on my belly and i had a great reduction in the time that my intestines were cramping you know eventually i i bought a system called amp coil which is pulsed electromagnetic field and frequency now, that's probably the biggest investment I've ever made. And when I bought that, I didn't try it. Heard, saw about it on the internet. I was so desperate. I had a huge mold exposure on top of all these other things. Bad. Like, had to gut my apartment down to the bones. Yes, I know. Wait, that, what the heck? I know. What the heck, Freddie? But yeah. here's the thing, right? At this point, either people are still listening or they turn it off because they're like, who is this sad sack of crap? Or they're like, wow, this guy really is set up to speak about chronic illness from a place of integrity because he's done it. And mm-hmm. so I bought this system called an amp coil, which is pulse electromagnetic field and frequency therapy. And within like four months, like the number of times that my intestines were locking and cramping was like down to one time. Now, now it's 2022. I... I haven't had a surgery since 2015. Yeah, baby. All right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and it it happens, right? I get days where there'll be a little pain. I'll get some gas trapped, but I can release it in like six hours, not 48 or not going to the emergency. You know, listen, I always speak to total – I am so humble about this shit. I know tomorrow – you could be like, well, we released that podcast and Freddie went in and that was that was it. I'm lo- A lot of this stuff is luck, right? I know I have a will in it and I know there's also like a universal guiding forces that are allowing me to be here. So I just want to like pay homage said, yeah. to the things that I don't understand in existence. I mean, even finding, even finding some of this information, like I'd been in this space for eight years. I had never heard of Amp Coil until I'm down there with you. Let's say that's something I had needed right to right. get my stuff it's like no there, there is a lot of luck and it's it's hard not to think back sometimes especially with a story like this and you're just like wow like and and it 
feels considering how passionate we get about this. I love that you brought that up because I don't have a problem saying it if someone else says it. I don't have a problem saying it in general, but I don't want to impose on anyone else. I can't help but feel like this is exactly why I'm here. This is exactly mm-hmm. why you are here. It's like, because look at how you've taken this, man. Again, you just, you have a, there's a few people ever I've met with an aura like you and I don't have to have even talked to you to just know that there's some deep shit there mm. because you can't fake the aura. There's like a wisdom, an appreciation for life. And actually, I got to get that other guy too on this podcast eventually. He's, he's local. Um, but it's just like, wow. Mm. <laughs> that, that's all I, I can say about it, you know? And so it's terrible. We wouldn't wish it on anyone. Probably wouldn't choose to do it again. But it's hard to say. You want to look back and say, well, I don't know if I change it per se, because mm. look at what it's been able to make you do it. Just how many people you, you've helped and stuff. It's, um, and I don't want to speak for you either, but it's just, it's kind of crazy to think like you connect these dots and it's like Steve Jobs said, you know, it's like all makes sense when you look back, they all connect. And it's like, here you are right now, um, serving people and, and doing an amazing thing that probably could not have happened in the same way if these events didn't mm-hmm. occur in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I could never speak, you know, I could never speak to it. I could, I could, and even early on when I had that, like I said, when I got done with cancer, I was like, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do this. Well, I had no level, you know, aside from being uh, blessed with DNA that had me wired for positivity because that was true. Do you know what I mean? Even going through cancer, like I, I wrote a blog called Dr. Fred. Like I laugh about it now and just talking about – I just wrote about my experience. It was nothing really – about health other than that i'm a badass because i made it through that was the theme of the <laughs> blog yeah, that's yeah. all i did i was like guys here's what they just did to my belly and i'm like i'm like smiling and there's a cute nurse walking in my room and i'm still asking <laughs> her for a number so i i i made the best out of that experience do you know it wasn't me uh I, I managed to get through that experience without ever feeling really sorry for myself having moments of it of course but for the most part had this strong belief system that i was going to get through it and there was going to be something better on the side even on the other side even though i didn't know what that would look like hey folks ev here that will do it for part one with freddie kimmel we will be back with his resolution and the things that he learned and just the wisdom that he brings to this life because of his experiences in part two which will be out february 28th it's a monday and so if you're listening to this in the future congratulations both episodes are already out so go check it out there we'll talk to you guys again soon take care thanks for tuning in to the health detective podcast If you were finally ready to work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button.